Welcome back to Plastic Surgery Decoded, the podcast where we demystify plastic surgery and unpack it into relatable concepts. I'm your host, Dr. Regina Newhan, and in this episode, we're talking about skincare products. There's been a lot of improvement in product options over the years, but what does what? I'll give you a logical way to categorize and think about them, and I'll discuss their intended effect, which will help you understand their usefulness. Then we'll go over what a typical daily skincare routine might look like. Remember, this podcast reflects my experience and my opinion. It is not intended to give formal medical advice, but instead you can use it to gain insight, whether you're actually considering a procedure or you're just curious. So settle in for a listen and enjoy. Today we're going to be talking about skincare, but frankly, there is so much to tell you that I really need to break it up into two different parts. So, this first episode, part one, we're going to focus on skincare products. And then the next episode, part two, we'll turn attention to skin treatments like lasers and peels and such. What are our goals with a good skincare regimen? Well, most of us want skin that has a relatively smooth texture, resilient tone, and even pigmentation. That may be a lot to ask, but a good skincare regimen can be a great step in the right direction. Think you don't really need a skincare regimen? Think you don't even have sun damage? You may want to think again. This concept hit home for me personally when I had a Vizia photo skin analysis done at my office a few years ago. That's V-I-S-I-A. I was amazed at what was really there in terms of pigmentary irregularities and skin damage below the superficial level of what I was seeing in the mirror. It was quite eye-opening. Yet once you realize how important good skin care is, how do you go about it? I'm sure I don't have to tell you that there has been an explosion in the number and varieties of skincare products that are out there. We are constantly bombarded with advertisements for over-the-counter options, and even when you go to your skincare specialist, there is a plethora of choice that can still be overwhelming. So my goal today is to help categorize these options, even though there will be some inherent overlap, and to explain the categories, to give you a little more savvy about what you may be using on your face. Of course, it's great that your skincare specialist can examine your skin and give you an individualized product regimen plan with specific instructions to use at home. Then you don't have to think about it. But it's also so helpful to have a little understanding about the mechanisms and theory behind it. Not only is it interesting, but the knowledge of what the various products are intended to do for you helps you stick with the care plan and stay on target. By the way, I'm not going to recommend specific brand names because there really are a large number of excellent physician-grade and even some over-the-counter products out there, and they change frequently. Rather, I'm going to provide an explanation of the important essential ingredients of these types of products. That's the information you want to carry as you embark on trying to achieve your best skin health and appearance. But before we even get into this, Let's first go over just a couple of quick basic definitions and some essential information about our skin, which will help you get a good grasp of what various skincare products can and cannot accomplish. I'm sure you've heard the terms collagen and possibly elastin bandied about, but what are those? Well, they're essential building blocks of our skin. 
They are what help make up the strong, flexible layers of this important barrier our body has to the outside world. And while the skin, as a whole, has multiple layers, all you really need to focus on are two basic layers, the epidermis and the dermis. The epidermis is the outer layer, hence the word prefix epi, and it's where most of the skin cells are located. It is comprised of a basal layer containing the cells that produce pigment, or melanin, so those cells are called melanocytes. The melanin helps protect from UV radiation, such as from the sun. And then above that are the epidermal cells, which are continually formed and then gradually rise to the surface of the skin. As they do so, they become desiccated, drying out and flattening, and stacking up to become the stratum corneum, which is our outermost layer of armor against the world. The dead cells then gradually flake off. That whole process is labeled cell turnover. Below the epidermis is the dermis. This is a thicker layer, and it is where that nice collagen and elastin network is located. The thicker the dermis is, the less likely the skin can crease and wrinkle. And it's also where important other structures are located, such as nerve endings, hair follicles, and sweat glands, etc. As we age, our skin goes through some changes. The collagen in the dermis starts to thin out and be less elastic, less resilient, making wrinkling or lines and creases more likely to develop. The basal layer of the epidermis above the dermis can develop some inconsistencies with age, producing altered pigmentation. And the outermost stratum corneum layer can be rougher, less smooth, and in general more irregular in terms of texture. Yet aging is not the only thing that contributes to these skin changes. Certainly other factors such as sun or ultraviolet UV exposure, hormonal changes, including menopause, and smoking can have some severe and accelerated effects on skin health, producing what may be considered premature aging. Some people think stress and diet play a part as well. So as we look to skin products to improve the health and appearance of the skin, we focus on things that can improve cell turnover meaning getting rid of the older dying skin cells faster and promoting healthy growth of new skin cells and those building blocks, collagen and elastin, and all while smoothing the texture of the outer layer surface as best as possible. In addition, we want products that will help protect our skin from further environmental damage. What kind of products could do that? Well, for cell turnover, we need exfoliators and growth promoters and pigment stabilizers might fall under this category as well. For external smoothing of already exfoliated skin, we need a moisturizer or humunctant. And for protection, we need sunscreen and antioxidants. So that's essentially what we're talking about in this podcast episode, going over these categories and what relative product options are available. In doing so, there is a really important point that I need to make, and that is, Many of the key product ingredients we will discuss do not necessarily absorb into the skin and become active when applied topically, meaning to the surface of the skin. Often there has to be something like a special carrier added to the formulation to promote actual penetration into the skin, especially for the larger molecule active ingredients. Beware over-the-counter products that advertise, for example, collagen as their essential ingredient. Just applying soluble collagen to the skin 
does not convert it to a deep skin building block. So essentially, that product becomes just a glorified moisturizer. Here is where physician-grade products may be more reliable than others. Another thing to keep in mind is that some active ingredients, such as vitamin C, can tend to be relatively unstable in the product solution and may easily break down, becoming ineffective. So paying attention to the instructions you're given about temperature control for storage and avoidance of light exposure of the serum, etc., may mean the difference between a nice, active, helpful product versus, yep, another expensive moisturizer. Okay, let's get to it. The first category is products that encourage cell turnover, and within that we have the two subcategories of exfoliators and what I will label growth promoters. Exfoliators, as you may have figured out by the word root folio, meaning leaf or sheet, and X, which means out or away from, are products that help with the removal of old, damaged, or dead skin cells that may be lingering around and contributing to poor skin appearance. There are many liquid or chemical product ingredients that are capable of exfoliation, though there are also procedural treatments such as lasers and peels, which are excellent and somewhat more aggressive at removing damaged outer skin layers. But again, we will discuss those in more detail in the next podcast episode, number 20, which is skincare part two. So starting with these liquid exfoliators, the most common product ingredients you'll see are alpha hydroxy acids, which are fruit acids like glycolic acid and lactic acid, and beta hydroxy acids such as salicylic acid. These act to chemically loosen or even gently dissolve the superficial dead skin cells, which will then gradually slough off in the next few days, leaving fresher and smoother skin exposed from underneath. A great process, but word of caution. Too much exfoliation can lead to inflammation, resulting in redness or extra pigmentation. Starting slowly and testing out in a small area to see how your skin may react to products such as these is wise before advancing the frequency of treatment. You may not be able to exfoliate daily, and you don't necessarily have to. Also, extra care should be taken with pigmented skin of color, as it may be more prone to hyperpigmentation as a reaction to inflammation, meaning it can darken. That can take quite a long time to clear, so a test patch on a less visible area of skin can be really helpful. Now let's talk about retinoids. These are derivatives of vitamin A, and they are instrumental in promoting skin cell turnover. A common form is called tretinoin, and you may know it by a trade name such as Retin-A, though there are other formulations. Interestingly, it actually started out as an acne medicine, and along the way, some nice anti-aging effects were noticed. Yes, tretinoin in particular is pretty special, and it's kind of the king of anti-aging. It has a unique combined function being both an exfoliator and a growth promoter, and it may help even out pigmentation somewhat. It starts by encouraging the outer dead cell layer to peel off faster, leaving healthier skin exposed underneath. Then it speeds up the formation of new, fresh skin cells. In addition, it promotes the growth and the organization of underlying collagen in the dermis. That's a lot of bang for your buck. How do you use a retinol? Well, it can be pretty irritating, especially when first starting to use it. It can create redness and flakiness, as well as sun sensitivity, so it's best to use at night. You would likely first start with a very small percent concentration and then gradually work up as your skin tolerates it more and more. 
Also, you might start using it just two to three nights a week and then gradually build up to nightly. It may actually take months to see the true, full results of what this agent can do, so dedication and persistence are required. And if you want to maintain the results, you have to maintain the treatment. Though some professionals feel it is wise for the skin to take a break from retinoids now and then. And with the sun sensitivity it can produce, sunscreen is crucial during the day. By the way, people with skin of color do have to be pretty careful with retinoids. They can still be used and can be helpful, but vigilance must be undertaken to screen for any signs of pigmentary change or other long-lasting signs of irritation. Luckily, often darker pigmented skin has a thicker dermis in general and more protective melanin, so outward signs of aging can be delayed a decade or more as compared to less pigmented skin, pushing off the need for more aggressive anti-aging treatments. Another type of growth promoter, though not quite as proven as retinoids, is a group of ingredients called growth factors, and technically they are just like the name sounds. But while there have been some promising findings with growth factors stimulating new cell growth, results are sporadic and scientific work still needs to be done. Nothing is ever quite as good as it seems. Lastly, a group of skincare ingredients called peptides have shown some promise here and there. These are the building blocks of proteins, collagen, and other important structures. But effectiveness varies from product formulation to formulation. Again, the challenge can be to get these peptides to actually penetrate the skin exterior and then to keep them stable without breaking down long enough to do their job. Not an easy endeavor, and we expect continued improvements in the future. Moving on, next is the issue of skin pigment. There is a standard spectrum of skin pigmentation called the Fitzpatrick scale, which ranges from Fitzpatrick type 1, the lightest skin that always burns and never tans, to Fitzpatrick type 6, darkly pigmented skin that rarely, if ever, burns. By the way, I'll discuss the scale in a little more detail in our next episode, number 20, which is part 2 of skin care. The pigment, or melanin, is our body's way of trying to protect the skin from sun or photo damage, photo meaning light. Again, as we age or are exposed to damaging environmental factors on a long-term basis, the pigmentation of our skin can start to become patchy and irregular. For lighter skin tones, that can mean darker areas or age spots in particular. For pigmented skin of color, it can mean both areas of darker pigmentation and also areas of lighter pigmentation. Although in terms of topical treatments, there's not much available these days to restore pigmentation, there are several products that are aimed at reducing or evening out areas of excess pigmentation. The most popular of these is called hydroquinone. You may think of it as a relatively controlled skin lightening agent, with the aggressiveness being dependent on the concentration utilized. It is commonly included in the standard skincare regimens aimed at trying to produce more youthful skin and to reduce the signs of aging. In general, it does a good job, but there have been some reports of what we'll call rebound hyperpigmentation, meaning spontaneous darkening of the skin after using it for a period of time that may be difficult to resolve. For that reason, it may be wise not to continue to use it indefinitely, but instead perhaps more sporadically, depending upon the recommendation of your skincare specialist who can look at your individual needs. Furthermore, 
There have even been some extreme reports of hydroquinone having a carcinogenic effect in lab studies with high dose and long-term use, but the jury is still out on that. Other notable pigment reducers include kojic acid and licorice extract. And vitamin C can even lighten the skin somewhat. As for the next category, smoothing the outer surface of skin, this is presuming exfoliation, whether by mechanical or topical means, has already been done on a regular basis. So we want to use some type of moisturizer or emollient to smooth and plump the remaining stratum corneum outer layer. There are truly so many widely available options that I'm not going to say much here because it's hard to go wrong. Suffice it to say that with all of them, the moisture effect is temporary, and so maintenance is key especially since some of the more active or aggressive products we've been discussing throughout this podcast episode can potentially have a drying effect. And what about hyaluronic acid, or HA for short? You might recall that it's a popular component in injectable fillers. Listen to podcast episode 11 if you want to learn more about injectables, by the way. Well, HA applied topically to the skin does not do the same thing as when it's injected and it may be difficult to get it to actually penetrate the skin consistently. But if nothing else, it acts like a humectant, so it attracts and holds water very well and can be a great additive to a moisturizer. Moisturizers don't create big changes to the skin, but I think there's no question they improve its appearance somewhat and are still included in a standard skincare regimen. Next up is a category of skin protectors. The Star Skin Protector, and the one product you should be using, even if no other, is sunscreen. Really, it needs to be 30 SPF or higher to do much good. This item can help prevent the damaging UV effects that prematurely age you, and it's never too late to start using it daily, no matter how old you are. No excuses, no matter your gender or your race. There are plenty of formulations available with some skin color tint in them, so they blend in nicely. It can essentially become your daily moisturizer if you're really wanting to save steps, or it can even act like a light foundation depending upon its thickness if you wear makeup. Next in terms of protection is a subcategory of antioxidants. These ingredients can't always prevent skin damage, but they do help fight off or neutralize the harmful byproducts of oxidation from environmental factors, especially UV sun exposure. These byproducts are called free radicals, which you may have heard of. They can break down collagen and elastin, damage skin cells contributing to aging, and possibly even contribute to development of skin cancer. Many antioxidants have a soothing anti-inflammatory or hydrating effect as well. The most common and heralded example of an antioxidant would be vitamin C. In fact, many good skincare regimens will regularly include a vitamin C serum. Vitamin C has the added benefit of being essential to the formation of collagen but it is notoriously unstable as a chemical compound and is difficult to get to penetrate the skin. So here is where reputable formulation and packaging becomes so important. Now there are oodles of other antioxidants out there and many come from plant extracts. Some of the more common ones include vitamin A, yes, the amazing retinoid can act as antioxidant as well, vitamin B3, which is niacinamide, vitamin E, green tea extract, coenzyme Q10, alpha-lipoic acid, and resveratrol. There are many others you may find listed as antioxidant ingredients, 
but there are some that lack true data to confirm their efficacy. Combinations of antioxidants may also result in an increased potency or a synergistic effect, such as with products containing both vitamin C and vitamin E. But some of these active ingredients, such as vitamin C, can produce skin irritation as a side effect. So caution should be taken when using them if a retinol is already in the skincare regimen. Letting your skin first get used to one and then later introducing the other is a nice strategy. Separating the application time of day for each can also be helpful, particularly for sensitive skin. And again, sunscreen is essential. Well, we've covered quite a few categories of skincare products. So putting it all together, what might a typical skincare regimen look like? Of course, the ideal regimen is going to be different from person to person, depending upon age, overall skin health, skin sensitivity, and pigment or Fitzpatrick type. So the following is just a sample guideline and not written in stone, nor is the ordering written in stone. But in general, a good morning routine might include a gentle cleanser, then if the skin is young or tends to be oily, a toner may be helpful to remove residue. Many toners these days intentionally lack alcohol and instead have some nice soothing ingredients to open pores and ready the skin for next steps. Otherwise, some type of exfoliator could be next. There are some combined exfoliating toners available. But a slow start with two to three times per week may benefit sensitive skin as would an exfoliator with an added anti-inflammatory ingredient. This could be followed by a serum containing antioxidants like vitamin C. Next would be a moisturizer, if it is needed, and then sunscreen, though sometimes these last two could be just one product. At night, after cleansing, this would be the time to apply a retinoid for more damaged skin. Skin may be sensitive to sun during the day. Moisturizer may be helpful as well, since the retinoid may be irritating. And, if needing a separate skin lightener or pigment stabilizer, this might be used both in the morning and the evening. But please note, not everybody needs every one of these products. In fact, using all of this is a lot. A formal skin care consultation with your specialist will streamline things for you greatly. And a further note, Many of these products should not be used while pregnant or breastfeeding, so be sure and discuss this with your specialist. The idea I'd like to leave you with is that there are some great skincare products out there, but temper your expectations to be realistic. These are not miracle drugs. Many require weeks to months in order to see a nice improvement, and almost all results require maintenance. But when used wisely and with the guidance of your skincare specialist who is looking at the overall picture, the right skincare regimen can help bring out your best skin. And if you get nothing else out of this episode, use sunscreen every day, everybody. Don't forget to listen to the next episode of this podcast, number 20, that takes skincare to the next level with a full discussion of skin treatments, lasers, peels, etc. Until then, I'm wishing you happiness in your healthiest skin. Well, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it and learned something too. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. 
please share this podcast with someone else who might be interested. And while you're at it, check out the podcast website for related topics to explore. It's www.plasticsurgerydecoded.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Plastic Surgery Decoded.